Hello and welcome to Econde Unplugged on Monday, 27th of November 2023. It's been a little while since our last podcast and during that time, financial markets have become increasingly confident that many, albeit not all, of the world's major central banks will be cutting interest rates next year. However, inflation in most OECD countries and in all of G7 bloc is still above target and core inflation rates are even higher. Certainly in the main, the central banks themselves seem pretty reluctant to acknowledge that inflation has been beaten. And this may mean that investors are getting a little ahead of themselves. So in today's podcast, we'll have a look at where borrowing costs are most likely to be cut. And indeed, if in some regions, they could still have further to rise. OK, then let's kick off with Terry. Um, Terry, I guess it's safe to say that the US economy has outperformed most expectations by some margin so far this year. And certainly we haven't got anywhere close to the recession that uh, some were forecasting. So what's your take, though, on the current current state of play? Well, I've been actually looking at some of the GDP nowcasts for the fourth quarter of this year. Mm-hmm. And it's so far looking fairly consistent across forecasts for growth, just a little above 2%, um, which is in itself a little above the, fret, the Fed's uh, longer run forecast. So um, right now, the U.S. economy seems to be experiencing moderate growth. And there's, as far as I can tell, fairly few uh, signs of an impending recession. So, so far, the Fed has seemed to get the soft landing they probably desperately wanted. Got to be a prize for imagining that somehow. All right, let's look at the inflation side of it. Where are we? The October inflation headline 3.2, core 3.7, both a little bit weaker than expected. Has the Fed cracked the inflation nut? Um, They probably don't think so. If you look at what's going on with shelter costs, which are about a third of our CPI basket mm-hmm. um, and the non-housing services, they're still experiencing a inflation that's higher than the headlines would immediately indicate. Um, there's some relief in things like uh, energy costs are coming down, uh, but there have been some inching higher of food prices and uh, how, things like housing costs, which you would have expected to come down in a higher interest rate environment are actually holding up more because we've got a shortage of housing right now for sale. And so even with relatively high mortgage rates, uh, the U.S. economy, it seems to be doing reasonably well. I noticed where earlier on this week, two or three weeks ago, uh, Fed Chair Powell said that the the biggest mistake the Fed could make would be to fail to get inflation under control. And he also said the Fed was wary of what he called head fakes from inflation. Um, So do you think it's going to take a while of really good inflation numbers before the FOMC would actually feel comfortable about cutting interest rates? Yes. Um, If you look across comments from all the policymakers, whether they're thinking that we have reached a, a peak of the Fed funds rate right now, or if they're expecting to maybe have to raise it a little bit more, uh, they're all still very much behind the idea that we have to see sustained disinflation, uh, and especially in those areas that, like non-housing services, that have been stubbornly resisting the, the more restrictive policy 
cooling the activity in those areas. All right. I mean, looking at the financial markets, which at least when I looked this morning anyway, I think uh, the futures were looking at Fed funds around about 5.1% in June of next year, but only just about 4.5% by, um, by year end, December 2024. Does that sort of profile make sense to you or do you think it's too aggressive? And, and also, so it's linking in with that. I mean, how hawkish do you think the central bank might sound in what, just over a couple of weeks time um, at the December FOMC meeting? I don't know that they're going to sound hawkish so much as they're going to sound extremely cautious. Okay. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of talk about how they're data dependent, that they are concerned about what Chair Powell has previously referred to as bumpy inflation numbers, where you know we have a couple of good months and then we have a, a slight turn higher. Uh, so um, I, I think that we are going to see a unanimous vote, um, whether it's for um, another increase or not, um, because the Fed policymakers just do not want to let markets, as you said earlier, get ahead of themselves and think that they're going to see rate cuts sooner than policymakers are really expecting to hand them out. Okay, and let me ask you, we'll ask, say the last question I particularly want to ask you, looking at the link between inflation and the, uh, well, the labour market, uh, we go back not that many months ago, there was an increasing number of people, not just talking about the US, but perhaps talking about Europe and some other parts of the world as well, kind of suggesting that inflation was so high that there's no way the central banks would be able to get it under control, unless we saw the unemployment numbers really start going up quite sharply, or indeed we actually got a recession. But as you look around the world at the moment, inflation in general, general is coming down faster in some parts of the world than other parts. But nonetheless, the general trend seems to be down. So, I mean, do you think that you know, what's the Fed going to look at now when it's trying to make its inflation call for next year, which presumably when it's a couple of years, which presumably you know, it's going to help to determine as and when it finally comes out and cuts interest rates? Does it look at the labour mar- market? Is there a disconnect now between inflation and the labour market? And, and if that is the case, you know, what have they got to focus on? Well, Chair Powell's remarks um, at the last meeting suggested that they are keeping an eye on um, compensation pressures, but these aren't the major driver of inflation as they see it right now. Um, And we are seeing a moderation in wage increases here, um, even though the labor market remains pretty tight. um, You know, a a 3.8% unemployment rate is Mm -hmm. enviable in many parts of the world. And uh, we just aren't seeing kinds of mass layoffs that would pretend a recession. So, um, yes, the upward wage pressures are easing. They are less likely to be a source of overall inflation in the economy. And in fact, they're having a pretty good effect because they're helping maintain consumer spending, which is part of the reason we're experiencing moderate growth in the U.S. right now. All right. Last question, head on the block then, time. When do you think the Fed will introduce its first cut? I think not before next June. Okay, fair enough. Anything else you'd like to put into the pot? No, I think that's about it. Okay, great. Okay, as ever, thanks for that, Terry. Um, okay, north of border time then, and Max. Uh, I guess Max, um, Bank of Canada seems to be one of the central banks which has become a little less concerned about price trends over the last month or so. Um, what well, last week I think it was, we had the governor suggesting that interest rates might be at their peak. 
uh, excess demand had vanished and talking about possibility of weak growth. So do you think it's safe to say now that Bank of Canada has definitely reached the peak to its interest rates and it is just a matter of time we saw before we see them cutting? Um, judging from the uh, public comments and my communication with Bank of Canada people, uh, the consensus seems, seems to be that uh, they hope they don't have to raise further. So definitely almost at the peak. Uh, but so, Sorry, can I interrupt then? Do you think there's actually a chance they could have to go up again? Is that um, a real, realistic I, risk? I think th there's a slight chance. Uh, what I'm looking at is the um, geopolitical risk uh, in the Middle East. Um, okay. Right now, uh, ships, including Japanese ships, uh, attacked by uh, Yemeni rebels um, in in the uh, uh, Red Sea region. But if the conflict or dispute or, or any accidents spread to the other side, uh, I'm talking about uh, Strait of Homes, you know, um, the Gulf main shipment from Iran, Iraq, uh, Saudi Arabia, and the Gulf states, um, that could really uh, push the oil prices higher up again. So if that happens, uh, the effect will be global. Uh, and Canada has, uh, that's beyond Bank of Canada's control. So if that, uh, something like that happens, then they may have to, but only reluctantly. So I, I, I think it's safe to assume that they're at the peak. Okay, this week we'll get what the November employment report will also get the third quarter GDP update. And I guess they're expected to provide further signs that you know the real economy is slowing and perhaps well say slowing. Certainly there is this lost momentum and is uh, almost stagnating now. Would that be fair? Um, yes and no. Um, the, the, uh, the trend is definitely slowing, but um, um, the, the difference between now and uh, maybe years ago is um, the housing market and um, is not a good uh, indicator anymore because um, there's, there's a huge um, affordability problem and the supply constraint in Canada um, aggravated by you know the influx of um, immigrants, which is you know it, which will help ease the labor market by supplying workers, but at the same time, new immigrants have to buy or rent. So um, Canada may not be the first uh, cut rates um, among major central banks. Uh, if that um, um, upward pressure uh, uh, keeps coming. What do you think it would take for the Bank of Canada to cut interest rates, let's say, by the second quarter of next year? Yeah, that might be a good uh, timing. Um, I think the um, when they feel comfortable about um, core inflation trends and right now the governor is saying uh, they're not really comfortable because um, um, uh, they've been running uh, for the last number of months at 3.5 to 4 percent which is obviously above target uh, 2 percent target so um, if that uh, shows a good sign of easing and at the same time if they um, if they think it's safe to change the tone in the communication to the markets and the public without uh, encouraging people to rush back and spend. So uh, not just the Bank of Canada, I think central bank people uh, really being careful about how to communicate their intentions right now. 
Okay, fair enough. I noticed also going just just looking at the October inflation report, there was a pickup in the services rate. Um, written down here, well, up to four point six percent from three point nine percent in September. Now, I know looking certainly across Europe anyway, the major concern for the ECB and indeed the Bank of England as well has been developments in terms of the service sector and pressures on inflation still being very much alive there. Is that still the case in Canada as well? Do you think, or was the increase in October perhaps due to one-off factors? Um, yeah, the problem with the, the service uh, costs in Canada is uh, they're not fully reflecting um, wage hikes and mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really led by sh uh, shelter. So um, that's also because um, the mortgage rates are high. So they're, they're in a kind of diff difficult situation because of their rate hikes, uh, mortgage rates are high and that sort of um, feeds into the CPI. But uh, um, uh, it's um, it, they, they can't wait maybe forever to see the service quotes come down. Maybe the, we have to look at the uh, uh, total CPI and uh, um, three months average of a core CPI. Okay, fair enough. Anything else on Canada? Um, we are fine right now. <laughs> Oh, good. That's what we like to hear. Right. Well, let's move across to Asia then, where yes, what economic conditions are rather more mixed. Start with Japan. Um, what do we got? Well, it's will a negative short term interest rate target still um, intact. The, the Bank of Japan is cleaning different boat to most other of the major central banks. And it's more a case, I suppose, of when official rates might be hiked rather than when they'll be cut again. So in terms of that, what's the latest data saying about the most likely timing? And, and when they do move short term interest rates, how much do you think they'll go by? Okay. Uh, your Big question, I know. But yeah, you're good at I mean, a two-part question. I'm, I'm going to focus on the first one first. Yep. Um, so um, not just the Bank of Japan people, economists too. Um, basically, uh, end of the year is too early to see whether majority of the company is going to raise uh, wages uh, just like uh, they did this year, uh, this fiscal year. So um, the first sign of um, major companies' negotiations with their ma major labor uh, unions that could come January, February. But then uh, we have to see the final results of the negotiations that, that will be in March next year. Right. And then as the uh, new fiscal year starts in April, we still don't know whether uh, smaller companies, uh, they basically the majority of the, the employers, 70% of Japanese people work for small companies. So um, that may not come until later. So that means, um, does the Bank of Japan really want to risk um, being premature in raising rates? Uh, I don't think so. So, and also it really depends on the communication in the monthly economic report from the government. Um, economic ministers and central bank governor meet every month and uh, the, in, in that statement, uh, the government has been saying since uh, May 2022 that uh, Bank of Japan should, quote, achieve the price stability target of 2% in a sustainable and stable manner accompanied by wage increase, unquote. So that means um, until the government keeps saying that and then they're saying Japan has not uh, um, recovered from um, deflation fully, then uh, 
Bank of Japan cannot also uh, raise rates. And th- talking about your second question. Actually, sorry, sorry, um, can I quickly interrupt, Max? On, on that okay. note, um, do you think effectively they're almost operating with a wage target rather than a CPI target, or at least the wage target is how they see they can actually meet their CPI target on a sustainable basis? It's, it's, it's not stated in the um, um, manifesto, sort of, mm-hmm. but uh, it's um, it started. The, even the the predecessor Kuroda started mentioning it because he didn't want to raise rates. So he said, mm-hmm. well, until we see a substantial wage increase towards the end of this uh, term. So that seems to be a kind of an unofficial target now. But it's 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 not a target. It's more like a, a key indicator to assess right. whether it's safe to raise rates. Okay, fair enough. Second question then. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's I don't know if 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 it's a clear rate hike they're going to announce, but more like being forced by market forces to uh, abandon uh, most of the yield curve control. And I don't know which comes first, but uh, when it happens, everything happens at the same time. You know, they, they have to uh, raise the overnight from minus 0.1 to zero first. And then maybe at the same time, they they stop saying we're going to defend um, uh, plus one percent uh, long-term uh, yield. So um, it's uh, it's also what's difficult for the Bank of Japan's operation team is, as the governor said, you can't really distinguish between um, higher uh, yield because the economy is um, um, growing faster or uh, being pushed up by the um, uh, U.S. Uh, Treasury rates. Right. So. Um, at, at that point, they can't really uh, say it's safe, but I think it's going to be a gradual um, process. But when something happens, they may just have to abandon the yield curve control. And uh, that can be um, maybe faster than uh, I thought a uh, year ago because uh, wages are rising. Right. And last question for me then is... Um what do you think the equilibrium interest rate has to be? I mean, currently we're talking about we've got a 2% inflation target. We've got a minus 0.1% short-term interest rate target. So we've been operating with you know, negative interest rates for such a long time now. Um, yeah, as and when the interest rates start going up, where do you think BOJ, or perhaps in concert with the MOF, but you know, where do you think the authorities will want to see rates peaking out at wherever they think this equilibrium level might be? Are you talking about the overnight rate? Or? Yeah, the overnight rate, yeah. Um, I don't think the uh, ordinary mechanism uh, applied to other uh, economies may work in Japan. Um, I don't know, people are so used to really low interest rates. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, maybe they don't care because it's still a cash society and they don't use credit cards. Uh, um, I mean, they, they keep paying the bills every month uh, because it's automatic uh, debit compared to North America. So um, it's, I don't know if it really matters if the interest rates uh, set at uh, 0.5 or 1. Um, I I don't really know. Right. Fair enough. Um, Any else from you, Max? Um, Yeah, they're talking about the Hanshin Tigers winning the uh, again (laughs) Japan series. So that's uh, everybody's automatically saying, you know, okay, better stock market, better economy. So that's probably going to help the Bank of Japan next year. 
Yeah, there we go. It's by Japan then, clearly. OK, great. Thanks for that, Max. Right then, let's move down to Mr. Jackson. China, um, key investor focus for, um, well, everyone pretty well, policymakers and private sector alike, I guess. Recent stimulus packages, I notice, seem to have led the IMF to upgrade their growth forecast for China, or they're still warning about possible slower growth next year due to the ongoing pro- um, property slump. Um, P- Pub- uh, the People's Bank of Canada, China, J- Japan, put me right teeth in. People's Bank of China, I mean, they've been adding pots of liquidity now for ages, but they haven't cut their long term prime rate. So how do you think the economy is actually doing and, and where do we go next on key rates? Is it going to be down or is it ultimately going to be up like, you know, like the likes of uh, the, the BOJ? Well, I think that there is still some scope for them to uh, loosen policy a little bit further in the near term. But, um, you know, it has um, they've already, as you mentioned, done quite a bit in that space uh, and sort of over a longer term frame, uh, longer time frame. You know, we have seen uh, rates come to, you know, sort of 10 year lows uh, in many cases. So I don't think they are too keen to to go too much further. It, It seems like they've been sort of holding on, just hoping that what they've done will be enough to sort of kickstart a, a real recovery. Um, but as you said, the, the the main thing that's really been holding that back is is the ongoing weakness in the in the property market. So, you know, they've been trying some more targeted measures to try and, and uh, improve things there. Um, but, yeah, just uh, if you look at the, the PMI survey data uh, in, in particular, it's just sort of been bumping along near or just below that 50 level and not really uh, generating a huge amount of momentum at the moment. I think I've asked you this before, but I'll, I'll, ask, I'll ask you it again, particularly in light of something which I saw um, on the wires today. Um, and that's regards the exchange rate. I think in um, the bank's quarterly implementation report, it said it would keep the, uh, the remember one stable. Uh, obviously, it's been under a lot of pressure recently um, in the FX market through capital outflows and so on. But they want to keep it basically stable and drive to foster a sound monetary and financial environment. So do you think so? We they haven't come out and cut the long-term prime rate. Is that because they've got these ongoing worries about uh, the weakness of the of the exchange rate? I think that's definitely a, a factor that's um, you know driving this uh, sort of reluctance to do too much on on interest rates. Um, but but in general, they're they're trying to uh, reinforce the message that you know policy settings are stable, that they don't need to do too much. Um, that uh, you know. The, the the measures that have already been uh, introduced are going to sort of do what they wanted to do. So that 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 also flows through into their sort of de- uh, desire for exchange rate stability. Um, you know, obviously they'd like to see exports pick up a little bit and provide a bit more support to demand that way. But uh, you know, they they don't want to go too far in in either direction. And um, we'll just have to see whether that actually delivers the the results that they want. But uh, you know, we we do. Uh, as we come into December, we normally have some some key meetings where they try and plan ahead for mm-hmm. the year um, to to see whether you know they do need to adjust policy settings. So we might see some uh, you know some cryptic comments come out of Beijing in the next few weeks, alluding to you know possible changes in policy settings. But uh, so far, it's been just you know see as she goes, and and then you know I think hope that things just sort of turn around. 
Uh, I mean, the central bank sort of thrown buckets full of money at the system over the course of the last few months. And it was October, wasn't it? We had the government unveil what well, best part of a $140 billion fiscal package. Is there any yeah. sign that you know, this is actually having an impact on be it consumer sentiment, business sentiment, investment sentiment, whatever it may be? Or, uh, yeah, I suppose, yeah, it's, I suppose, yeah, the bottom line is, is it actually having any impact on those sort of economic variables, which might lead you to think, OK, perhaps this growth prospects, you know, they're going to start turning up now? Well, I mean, we don't really have good uh, numbers on, on right. sentiment indicators in China, unfortunately. Um, probably the, the, you know, the best measure that we do is is sort of the the, um, the expectations for outlook over the next 12 months in the PMI surveys. And they, they've been bouncing around, but they haven't, they, they definitely haven't shown um, expectations of a, of a huge recovery in activity over the next 12 months. Um, but you know they they can turn around pretty quickly those measures if if you know you start to see some improvement in the current numbers then you know you do see those those out, output expectations numbers pick up as well. But as I said, the PMI surveys, uh, yeah, not really showing a sustained uh, recovery at, at the moment. Just bouncing around that 50 level. The uh, the key activity numbers, um, yeah, they're. So some of the year-over-year numbers have been influenced by base effects, you know, relating to what went on 12 months ago, and so that needs to be interpreted with a bit of caution as well. Whereas the month-over-month numbers, again, aren't showing a, a huge uh, surge in momentum. So it's it's um, I think you know they're they're at least comfortable that you know things aren't deteriorating and, and weakening at, at a sharp rate, but yeah, we're not seeing a, a huge um, surge in 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 the recovery either. All right. So I guess then from what you're saying, we're talking about interest rates remaining at low, if not even lower levels over the foreseeable future. I, th- I think so. Yeah, I think they, they don't want to go too much. Uh, they, they'd be reluctant to cut much further, given that you know we're already at sort of 10 year lows for some of the key rates. But right. I don't think a lot of appetite to really uh, you know, move into the tightening cycle that we've seen in other parts of the region. OK, let's move to your immediate part of the world in Australia. Um, where are we? Earlier this month, wasn't it? Yeah, the RBA tightened, which was in line with market expectations. But that was after, what, four meetings of no change. So, I mean, what's changed? Um, and does this mean you know, no chance of any early cuts in 2024? I think that's right. I mean, what's changed is, um, you know, we, we, we've got the monthly uh, CPI indicator now, which uh, gives uh, officials a bit more uh, real time uh, information than what we had previously with just the quarterly inflation numbers. And yeah, they've just gone in the wrong direction in the last couple of months. The the head the headline monthly CPI indicator has, has increased uh, for the last two months, um, and some of the sort of underlying uh, uh, price pressures are also building. So to some extent, you know, the RBA did expect that they were expecting you know fuel price increases to flow through to that headline number, um, but they've um, you know plugged in the latest numbers to their forecasts. Uh, you know, they do their quarterly forecasts, and that, that came out a few weeks ago. And they've basically revised um, the the time frame where they expect to get back to this two to three percent inflation target range. Um, they've sort of pushed it back a little bit, and they just seem a little bit more cautious and and concerned about you know getting back to that target range anytime soon. And so I, I think that was uh, the the main factor that that prompted them to to go uh, last month. So that was what about three and a half weeks ago that they. Um, uh, increased rates after a, a four-month break. Now we've got the next meeting uh, coming up next week, start of December, uh, and then they've got a break. They 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 always skip in January, and then the next meeting will be in in uh, in February. So uh, there is, 
I don't think there's a lot of uh, indication that they'll go next week uh, because there hasn't really been um, enough incoming data to, to change their assessment, I don't think. But by the time you come to February, when we'll have some more quarterly numbers and uh, a little bit more information, then, yeah, there's definitely talk uh, around the traps that we will see an, another rate increase possibly at the start of February. So that's what markets are priced in. They've, they've got a, another rate hike priced in. Um, and so, and, and sort of no sort of indication that, you know, the RBA is, is, is thinking of uh, sort of starting down wine, uh, that policy tightening. Mm, interesting. Can I ask you about the exchange rate? Because I guess one of the benefits for like uh, the Aussie and the Kiwi dollars, along with many other currencies for that matter, um, all this speculation about the Fed cutting interest rates, rates next year has clearly had a negative impact on the dollar, as you might expect. But the counterpart to that, of course, we've got the Aussie dollar now trading around three month highs or so against the US. Is that going to have implications perhaps at the margin for perhaps saying, well, look, if the currency is going to be that much stronger than we thought originally, that's going to put downside pressure on inflation, hence less need to raise interest rates? Or is it all about domestically generated price pressures? I think at the moment it's domestic. Um, there's not a lot of talk about um, you know, what the currency is doing and what impact that's having on um on, on domestic inflation, obviously commodity prices uh, flows through into it, but um, you know it's it's very much a domestic focus at the moment. I mean, we had uh, the new RBA governor Michelle Bork uh, a few days ago just talking about uh, trips to the dentist and and the hairdresser as as the, as the key factor that's pushing up uh, uh, headline uh, inflation at the moment. So very much domestic services was was the main focus of her comments, um, and um, you know a very much a concern about domestic. Uh, uh, inflation pressures um, and I think that's going to be the the main factor that that drives any decision um, to, to tighten policy further. Okay so possible higher rates in Aussie what about across the across the water to New Zealand we've been on hold there since what may may if remember rightly isn't it got another meeting coming up what just under a day or whatever it is um, what's expected there and what do you think they're likely to say about you know prospects for interest rates in 24? I'd say it's pretty similar to the uh, the Australian situation. Um, you know, like like the RBA, there RBNZ has been on. You know, had that sort of period of of just pausing rates for for several months. Um, you know, so they, they've got the meeting later in the week where they. I, I think they'll probably do that again. But um, the tone of their recent comments has very much been, um, you know, pointing to upside risks. Um, there, you know, if you look at their last statement, they say that. Uh, the risk is that activity inflation will not slow as much as needed to get uh, inflation back down to where they want it to be. So, you know, they're in a similar position to the RBA, not happy with the pace at which inflation is returning to target and, you know, just serving notice that, uh, you know, policy is going to remain restrictive and they're not ruling out the, the chances of uh, another rate hike. Uh, probably they would prefer not have to do that if they could get away with it, but um, that is definitely still on the table. OK, um, I quite quickly ask you about understand that there's sort of these partial monthly CPIs, the, the stats people are putting together now. Are they getting much attention out there or are they too new? You're talking about Australia or New Zealand? Though? No, sorry, New Zealand. Cause I understand they're putting oh, okay. together yeah, things like fuel, airfares, alcohol, tobacco and this sort of thing. And they've got a best part of it. Fifty percent, I think, now of the CPI on, on the monthly numbers. No wonder if the you know, markets have actually adjusted to looking at them yet or whether they're simply new, too new. I, I don't think they're getting uh, a huge amount of traction just yet, but you know, as as it gets a bit of a track record and, and 
if it can um, provide some you know, reliable uh, indicator of what the headline number is going to do, then I think it will get more attention. But yeah, it's still quite a, a new development. And but definitely, um, you know, policymakers are going to um, I think appreciate that extra uh, information on a more timely basis. Right. Okay, fair enough. Um, any else from your part of the world? I guess I should ask you about India. What's going on there? Uh, I think India is in a in a reasonably sweet spot at the moment. I mean, um, if you look at uh, you know their policy rates, for instance, you know they they haven't had to go as aggressively as um, you know other other central banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've basically just unwound the the rate cuts that were delivered ahead of the pandemic or you know during the pandemic. So they're pretty much back where they were uh, prior to the pandemic, and so I don't think they're too concerned about. Um, the level of, of, of rates at the moment. Uh, they're getting, you know, reasonable inflation numbers, reasonable activity numbers. So I think uh, they're, they're pretty happy with the way things are at the moment. OK, Jolly D, any else from your part of the world? No, I mean, uh, again, just returning to Australia, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the one thing that is getting a lot of attention is obviously uh, the pressures that uh, higher rates are putting on, on households at the moment. Uh, a lot of um, mortgage owners had fixed rates put in place right. maybe two years ago. Uh, now they're, um, they're expiring and they're having to go on to significantly higher rates and that's causing um, a lot of concern, a lot of headlines here in Australia. And I think that's going to be, um, you know, the, the other main challenge that the RBA is going to have to negotiate uh, dealing with that issue. Yeah, housing markets and stuff like that going to be key, I think, in 2024. Okay, great. Many thanks for that, Brian. Um, right, I'll round off then with the bits and pieces in Europe. Um, well, I guess uh, to varying degrees, really, you've had the likes of the European Central Bank, Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank. They all seem to be, let's say, less impressed by this market speculation about interest rate cuts in 2024. And really, and it's safe to assume that come their next meetings for all three central banks, that's going to be on the 14th of December. They're very much going to reinforce that view. Still, if nothing else, uh, the latest data suggests that we've probably seen the top two official interest rates now, which, of course, means that all the market talk is going to be about when the first cuts will be delivered. For the Eurozone, um, well, recently the numbers haven't been too bad versus expectations. But if you look at economic activity on average, uh, really, it's been undershooting uh, market consensus data and calls, I should say, pretty well since mid-August time. And crucially within this, the inflation figures have fallen faster than expected. Indeed, the down, headline was down to just 2.9% in October and a narrow core rate at 3.9%. So both those figures still above target, clearly, but much closer to the target level of 2% than they were just a few months ago. It's worth noting, I think this is true perhaps from a number of central banks. The ECB, they're they're keen to stress that they have their own indicator of domestic inflation, which, as it sort of sounds, excludes items with a high import content. That's been decelerating much more slowly. It simply reflects the fact that inflation is becoming increasingly driven by more domestic rather than external sources. And uh, to this end, well, the lights of the contribution of profits, which was a key factor, pushing up the headline rate earlier on this year. That's now weakening. Wage pressures do still remain strong. And that's something which uh, the hawks on the ECB governing council will very much be concentrating upon.
In terms of the real economy, well, it's soft, uh, sluggish at best, I suppose you've got to say. Contracted mildly in the third quarter. Looks as if we could see another contraction um, in the fourth quarter as well, which technically, of course, means recession. Only mild, but nonetheless, uh, growth for the eurozone this year has been pretty well disappointing. It looks like from most of the leading indicators, it's going to remain that way at the start of 2024. The thing I think for um, certainly a lot of the hawks on the ECB anyway, the labour market does really still remain very tight. Um, we've got an unemployment rate there of 6.5%, which although that may be a bit high compared to some other industrialised countries, that's just a tick above the all-time record low we saw in July. And that's why um, the ECB in the main is still concerned about what the wage agreements are going to be as we go into the beginning of next year, when just like Japan and Max was talking, that's when most of them are going to be sorted out. And if we don't see some softer figures out of that, then chances are we're not going to see interest rates going up again, I don't think. But the first cut could come through a lot later than currently anticipated. For financial markets, they're pretty well looking for a 25 basis point cut at the May meeting in 2024. And they're looking for uh, key rates to be down by a full percentage points by the end of the year. But we're going to have to see, some, say, some soft wage data and certainly some better inflation numbers, I think, if we're actually going to get that. In terms of we going forward, I think you now the service sector where the main inflation pressures have been generated for well best part of this year, really, that's going to be the keen area of economy to look at. For the UK, it's a similar sort of situation in the sense that uh, certainly the bank isn't too interested in the notion of any kind of early interest rate cuts at all. In fact, just yesterday, the governor, uh, Andrew Bailey, he was suggesting that interest rate cuts were unlikely for, to quote, the foreseeable future and warned that the, the second half of the battle against inflation is going to be hard work. Now, for the bank uh, policy over here, it's been on hold since uh, what, August the 3rd when they hiked by 25 basis points to five and a quarter. But speculation about cuts has been boosted because inflation, like in other parts of the world, has come down surprisingly quickly. The October headline was 4.6 percent. That was down over two percentage points. Uh, versus September. Now, a lot of that's got to do with base effects. As Brahm is talking about some of the Chinese data, base effect numbers due to fallout from COVID and what have you do have still quite a big impact on some of the inflation rates and indeed other growth rates we're seeing around the world at the moment. So that's always something to bear in mind. Um, so given that and also the fact that if people remember at the November meeting, we had three of the nine MPC members still wanting to raise interest rates by 25 basis points. It kind of suggests that the appetite to come out and cut rates early uh, really simply isn't there. Futures markets for the UK, well, they've got, what, three-month interest rates just above 5% in June, so, um, and a cut down to around about 4% or so by the end of the year. To get that, I think, a bit like with the Eurozone, we're going to have to see some very favourable data. Otherwise, markets are going to be rather disappointed. Much the same, I think, to round off can be said um, for the SMB, the Swiss National Bank. Um, just last month, they were still warning that uh, their policy rate is currently 1.75 percent might have to go up yet again. And that's despite the fact that the economic data have been undershooting expectations for pretty well all year. And indeed, both the headline and the core inflation rate have been below 2% since May time. But such is the desire of the SNB to be seen as being strictly anti-inflationary. Although I think it's very unlikely they come out and push interest rates up again in December. They're certainly going to bang the drum about no chance of any kind of early cuts coming through. OK, then, I guess that pretty well rounds it up for us. And we've probably been talking for long enough. 
One part I would make, uh, well, I would um, point out uh, a note. Um, Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Pill, he was talking last week, seemingly ironically, about how about how falling inflation can actually cause central bank problems. And that was due to the tendency of markets to immediately start looking for interest rate cuts, even though core inflation rates might still be far too high. So it's worth bearing that in mind as we move into 2024, because I guess these underlying inflation measures, core inflation measures, call them what you will. Uh, they're going to be particularly important for determining what happens to monetary policy right around the world. So the base effects on the headline numbers continue to be you know, very much um, a, a distortive factor when it comes to how they're moving. OK, then that is it then. Uh, so on that note, that's it for this podcast. So on behalf of uh, Terry, Max, Spran and me, thank you as always for listening and we'll be back soon. In the meantime, remember to watch Economy's global economic calendar to keep up to date with all the central bank news, as well as the key economic indicators and events. With that said, bye for now.